The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi, Leslie's executive producer, holding down the fort as I do each Wednesday from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern usually. I am joined by two great guests today. The first uh, is Bob Deans, who you've heard multiple times on the Leslie Marshall Show before with both uh, myself and Leslie. Always a privilege to have Bob, who is the Director of Strategic Engagement for the National Resources Defense Council, the NRDC. Uh, Today we are going to be talking about uh, the climate, as we do many times um, with Bob, because he's very um, not only knowledgeable about the topic, but he also understands how it fits into our current um, political system and, you know, as far as legislation, also away from Washington, how it affects us here in America and also around the world. So um, that's why I wanted to have Bob uh, Bob back on today about uh, two stories we're going to be discussing. One, uh, and you could find both of these uh, online, um, the the first one I found uh, is called, it's from the Boston Globe, it's called The Mercury Doesn't Lie, We've Hit a Troubling Climate Ch- Change Milestone, and the second piece is actually from Think Progress, uh, called Most Americans Disagree with Their Congressional Representative on Climate Change. Bob, welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. How are you doing? Thanks so much, Mark. Great to be with you. Absolutely. So, Bob, I know uh, for those of you in the scientific community and many of us uh, who follow these issues closely, um, we know why the marker of two degrees Celsius above normal uh, is so important when it comes to climate change. But for those of our audience who are not familiar with that or need a refresher, uh, if you could just give us a quick refresher on that. Sure, Mark. Well, first of all, two degrees centigrade is, for most of us, 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit, so just under four degrees Fahrenheit. That's the kind of rise we're talking about. And we've already had, Mark, over mostly over the past 50 years, we're about halfway there. We've had warming of about almost 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit. That's average global land and sea temperatures. And uh, the reason, of course, is from the carbon dioxide we've been pumping into the air from burning all the coal, gas, and oil that took hundreds of millions of years to produce, and we're burning it so rapidly. And a couple of things you mentioned, the mercury doesn't lie. I mean, we're now, you know, we're now beyond, uh, Mark, whether this is some kind of a, of a partisan position. We're beyond the fact of whether people believe in science. It comes down now to whether you can read a thermometer. Because uh, 2015, last year, was the hottest year ever recorded. The year before that was the hottest year ever recorded. And 19 of the hottest years ever recorded have all occurred in the past 20 years. So, um, you know, this is, this is a trend. This is what's happening. There's no doubt about it. The bottom line is if we go above 2 degrees centigrade of warming or about 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit warming, we're going to invite environmental catastrophe, uh, rising seas, widening deserts, withering drought, extreme heat. We've already seen samplings of this around the world. We're already paying a price. But if we get much beyond that level, 
we're going to be in real trouble. And mass extinctions, uh, talking about maybe 20 to 30 percent of all plants and animals on the earth being threatened with extinction if we go up beyond that two-degree centigrade level that people talk about, Mark. So we hit, we hit that, and it came back down, but we hit that last Thursday, and that was a lot quicker than people expected. Now, it hasn't stayed above that, but that's that's a significant marker, isn't it, Bob? It's, it's a significant marker. You know, we just finished, wrapped up, the hottest winter ever for the contiguous United States. We've been talking global figures, but we've had the hottest winter on record in the contiguous United States this year. Now, some of that was due to the El Nino effect that you hear so much about on the West Coast. But the fact is, it was the hottest year on record, and scientists at NOAA uh, have told us that even without El Nino, uh, last year would have been the hottest year on record. With El Nino, it was the hottest year ever by far, Mark. And you've got December 2015 was the hottest month on record. Then January broke that record, and now February has broken that record. In addition, in February, you had the South Pacific experiencing the highest wind speeds ever measured uh, when you had uh, Tropical Cyclone Winston crashing into the island of Fiji. Uh, There were, as the article points out, entire villages flattened. The storm wiped out 10% of Fiji's gross domestic product, roughly equivalent to 15 simultaneous Hurricane Katrinas. I mean, what else really do climate skeptics need to see, or are they just unable to be convinced of the truth? I think it's the latter, Mark. I think what's happened in this country is if you look at poll after poll, we see about 7 in 10 Americans recognize this is a problem, about that same number, expect the next president to do something about it. And about that same number, about 7 in 10 Americans, support the plans that President Obama has put in place to clean up our dirty power plants, which are 40% of our carbon footprint. If you look at the political situation, however, there there is this this raging uh, debate, and it's being fueled by the money that the oil, gas, and coal companies have dumped into the Republican Party. And in the last election cycle, the midterm elections, 2014, in that two-year cycle, Mark, the oil, gas, and coal industry pumped more than $720 million dollars into the campaigns of those people who support their agenda up on Capitol Hill. That's just, that's just our Congress and our Senate, Mark, before we even get into presidential elections. So there are huge stakes in the, in the campaign coffers for these people. And what you find with the Republicans is they've painted themselves into a corner. They literally can't even say that climate change is a problem now. They've been unable to do that. They've instead fallen back on, I'm not a scientist. Well, you know, Mark, I'm not a doctor, but... If I go to 100 of them and 97 of them tell me I've got a broken ankle, I'm thinking I'm going home in a cast. Yeah, I mean, to be completely frank, that's the thing that pisses me off the most is you have, it used to be over 97%, now over 99% of the climate scientists in the world are telling us that climate change is here and it is man-made. I mean, these people, it is their career, it is their life's work to study the climate. It is what they do for a living. And in no other place in the world do we have... I was reading an article, actually. There's a lot of a good uh, a lot of good writing about this lately, which I'm happy to see, but a good article where it talked about how the Republican Party in the United States um, is the only conservative party 
in the world that completely denies uh, climate change is happening and that it's man-made. The majority of, of a party like that anyway. There's some, you know, fringe, very small percentages of governments around the world that may have that belief. But like you said, this is pretty much all Republicans in the Congress and the Senate. You, you mentioned the money. Um, you know, we're looking at from that la- the latter of the two articles I mentioned from Think Progress. Um, you've got, like you said, there's a new um, study out which shows that uh, about 7 in 10 Americans uh, believe that climate change is is real and that it's man-made yet you've got on the flip side uh more than six in ten americans are represented by someone in congress who denies the reality of climate change and more specifically uh 59 percent of the republican house caucus and 70 percent of the republicans in the senate are climate deniers which according to the census if you if you match that data up according to the census that means over 200 million americans are represented by a climate denier in Congress. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely staggering when you look at those numbers. There's just no denying um, how they're completely flipped and how Congress is basically um, just complete opposite of the will of the American people. So when we get back from this break, Bob, I want to talk to you about, because the NRDC, the thing I love about you guys is we don't just talk about the problems. You don't just talk about the problems. You have uh, proposed solutions that will not only help with the climate as to what our country needs to do, but then also what are some ways that we pressure our lawmakers or bring about change in order to make sure that these changes can happen within our political system here in the United States. So if uh, any of our listeners would like to call in and speak with Bob Deans, uh, who is the Director of Strategic Engagement for the NRDC, you're more than welcome to do so. We'll have one segment after we get back from this break with Bob. The number is 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. You can follow the NRDC uh, online. It's at NRDC. And check out the NRDC's website for more good information on climate change uh, in generalities. If you need to talk um, with anyone in your family um, or basically any friends, or you just want to learn more yourself, um, you can go to NRDC.org. This is Mark Romaldi. I will be right back with you and Bob Deans right after this quick commercial break. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi uh, in for Leslie Marshall. Uh, I am joined, as I mentioned previously, by a good friend of the show who is Bob Deans. He's the Director of Strategic Engagement for the NRDC, which is the National Resources Defense Council. Uh, before we went to break, Bob, I was talking about uh, now that we know about these problems, uh, how do we go about uh, fixing them, number one, and number two, as is, I think sometimes just as challenging. And not only do we have to deal with reversing climate change, we have to then somehow fit it in this you know, horribly uh, partisan uh, political system that is, you know, America's Congress right now. Yeah, that's that's so true, Mark. And I think 
this is one of those issues that we need to address as a nation. That's the whole purpose of government, is just to help us achieve those national goals that require us all to work together. This is not something you and I can fix in our garage. So we need to work together as a nation for the policies to advance it. But there are things we can do it in our own lives. The first is to ask what we can do. If we've got a home that's 10 years old or older, there's a whole new generation of energy-efficient appliances, lighting fixtures, and tools that can help us save real money and cut our carbon footprint. If our car is 10 years older, you'll be amazed at the mileage you can get on some of these new cars in the showroom, all electric, hybrid, and gas and diesel. And finally, if you haven't had that energy audit at your at your business school or, or place of worship in 10 years or so, get ready to save about 40% on your utility bills and cut your carbon wow. footprint. The other thing you can do is uh, influence those people who listen to us. You know, the people... People change their mind or form their attitudes based on what trusted people tell them. Our family members, our coworkers, our friends, talk to them. You know when the time is right, when they're ready to listen, speak up. And finally, we all need to speak out on behalf of what's good for our country. Let our elected leaders in our states, communities, and in Washington, D.C., in Congress and in the White House, let them know we care about this. Let them know we want to protect future generations from the growing dangers of climate change. And most importantly, let them know you're paying attention. You're going to hold them to account for what they do, Mark. And I think, you know, you make some very good points about what we can do um, ourselves without having to rely on Congress, but then also to make the bigger change um, within our government. And I think, you know, a point that you brought up earlier, which is important to note, is now that um, nearly seven in ten Americans um, believe not only that climate change is real, but that it is man-made. So I think you know we're winning the battle as far as educating people about what the real science says, and and that is something promising. But the other big uh, promising thing that has come about uh, was the Paris Accord. Um, you know where we had agreement from around the world. I think the Pope has also um, done an amazing job talking about why climate change um, is real and we need to do something about taking care of our planet. Um, you know, I'll give you a quick side story. I um, I go to mass. Uh, I'm a, I'm a practicing Catholic, and my um, uh, parish had a big um, thing that the I'm, I'm a horrible. <laughs> Horrible job at like reciting what they talked about during mass because to be honest, my one year old was on my lap and half the time I was <laughs> chasing her down the pew aisle. But they made a big thing about why it's very important, and I saw the the people taking it very seriously, and and it was being they were being educated and talking about why it is such an important issue. So I think people who are are very important in people's lives are now not just understanding why it's important, but telling others about it. And like you said, you know, we don't have to be the Pope, obviously. We can talk to, to people who trust us, you know, maybe some people in the older generation who, you know, are coming along to understand the knowledge. I, I noticed, you know, millennials and the, the younger generation, I think, caught on to this a lot, a lot quicker um, as they tend to be more progressive and understanding as, as a whole um, than some of the baby boomers. But I do see um, people in that generation also catching up now. The other thing I want to talk about... Um, Two, two quick things uh, while we have about four minutes left here is I want to give you a quote uh, from Bill McKibben's Boston Globe article I referenced. Uh, he says, global warming is not a future threat. It's the present reality, a menace to not to our grandchildren, 
but to our present civilizations. In a rational world, this is what every presidential debate would focus on. Forget the mythical flood of immigrants. Concentrate on the actual flooding. And I, I couldn't agree more with this. You know, you saw Bernie Sanders getting some flack when he was asked at uh, one of the early debates what our biggest threat was and answered climate change. Uh, but beyond that, and uh, there was a question, I think, this past Sunday about fracking that got just a small amount of time. You know, I don't feel that the Democratic debates have spent nearly enough time on it, and that's not even accounting, uh, you know, for the penis joke, booger-filled Republican debates. So, you know, w- what's your take on all of this? I saw you guys actually sent out an email today with some great questions that the candidates should be asked. Um, is that a good way just just to put pressure on, you know, regular Americans to say we want to hear more about this in our debates? We hope, Mark, that people, the, the debates will focus on that. Certainly the Democratic debate tonight in Florida and the Republican debate tomorrow night in Florida need to focus because Florida is on the front lines of climate change. Those people are already experiencing rising sea level that makes part of Miami streets underwater in high tide, um, hurricanes that threaten the coastal communities, um, salt water intrusion in the Everglades and in that Biscayne aquifer that provides safe drinking water for most of southern Florida, Mark. So it's a real uh, issue right now today, as Bill McKibben said. It's not just about tomorrow, but when you go back to your connection with your one-year-old daughter and what the Pope has said, the Pope's encyclical last June was very important. It spoke not only to the world's Catholics, more than a billion of you, but to, as he said, people of goodwill everywhere. And then he came to the Congress and put before us one of the most profound spiritual questions of our time, Mark, which is, are we going to stand up and protect the natural systems upon which all life depends, or will we preside over the decline of these systems? It's an important question for our future. And finally, to go back to Paris where we began, this was huge. The United States, China, Mexico, India, and more than 180 other countries, Mark, put on the table actual plans for reducing our reliance on fossil fuels that are driving climate change and shifting to cleaner, smarter ways to power our future. And we're moving forward with that tomorrow here in Washington, Mark. The president is going to host Canada's new prime minister, Justin Trudeau, the full thing, arrival ceremony, joint press conference, state dinner, everything. And one of the main items on the agenda is how we can work together to cut the carbon footprint of our trucks, our power plants, cut methane emissions, another powerful greenhouse gas from our oil and gas operation on and on. And uh, the U.S. and Canada have to be partners for the kind of clean energy future that we foresee from Paris. We're moving that forward. It's going great. Bob, I cannot thank you enough for coming on. Unfortunately, we're out of time, as it always seems to go quickly when we're uh, talking with Bob Deans of the NRDC. Um, Feel free to check out more of Bob's work and the work of the NRDC. Please visit their website, which is nrdc.org, or you can follow them on Twitter at NRDC. Um, Again, this has been Bob Deans, Director of Strategic Engagement for the National Resources Defense Council, and myself, Mark Grimaldi. I'll be right back after this commercial break, and I'll be joined by Robert Shapiro, who is the former Undersecretary of Economic Affairs uh, for President Bill Clinton's administration. Uh, He's going to be talking about Donald Trump's tax plan and why it doubles down on income inequality and gives the Donald himself a big tax break. So you won't want to miss that. If you want to get in line now, you can give us a call at 888-6LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall.